Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Discover Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Emmett Hurley. I'm an ACSM and HIT Uni certified personal trainer with Discover Strength. Let's face it, busy people don't have time to waste on exercise that doesn't work. The Discover Strength Podcast focuses on bringing on the best minds in the field of evidence-based exercise, so you can look and feel your best in a fraction of the time. Thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this week's episode of the Discover Strength Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Logan Emmett Hurley. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Discover Strength Podcast. I'm beyond excited to be joined today by Dr. Stuart Phillips out of McMaster University. Uh, Dr. Phillips is a uh, leading researcher in the field of protein, so protein consumption, muscle protein synthesis, and we're just so excited to have him on. Uh, you probably heard a few of his colleagues on before. We had Dr. Martin Gabala a few episodes back, and then Dr. Sarah Oikawa uh, from the Gatorade Sports Science Institute was on recently as well. So Dr. Phillips, please say hello, and we'd love to uh, jump in about some protein. Yeah, well, well, Logan, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I am preceded by uh, two people that are great friends of mine. Uh, Sarah is a former student, but of course, as good students do, they uh, they eclipse their advisor as soon as they leave, uh, which I think she's certainly done. So uh, if she's laid the groundwork, we're, we're in a good place. But thanks yes. for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, of course. We appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, I just have to agree with you there. I mean, obviously, we've not chatted yet, but Sarah is just brilliant. Probably one of my favorite interviews I've had on uh, so far. And we're so excited to have her at the, the Resistance Exercise Conference this year as, as one of our keynote speakers. So you did a good job coaching her up there. Um, <laughs> so Dr. Phillips, I'd, I'd love to just jump right in here today. Our main topic, we're going to be talking about protein. And this is such a, a convoluted issue within the field of, of exercise in general. There's so many recommendations one way or the other. I have to take protein in the morning, got to take it at night, take it all through the day, only take it once. Um, and I really want to use your expertise today to kind of solidify what people should really be looking for when it comes to protein consumption. But first, I really want to start off with why is protein so important for us? So just right away, we've heard protein is good for muscles, but can you tell us why that is exactly? Yeah, I think, you know, to distinguish protein from, you know, the two other major macronutrients in most people's diets, which are carbohydrates and fat, um, the human body doesn't have a way of storing protein. So, you know, we can store a, a limited amount of carbohydrate, albeit, um, but we have, unfortunately, a very good capacity to store fat. Uh, but protein, you have to use the protein that you eat uh, in its constituent form. And the building blocks of proteins are called amino acids. I like to say they're sort of like, um, you know, if, if protein in your muscle is imagined that it's a brick wall, the amino acids are the bricks, but they're all sorts of different shapes and colors and everything else like that. There are 20 of them. Um, so once you've eaten protein, you have to use it. And if you don't use it, then your body will uh, break it down. And I think most people would be familiar with the concept that uh, we excrete the majority of uh, sort of the people say excess protein. It's really not protein. It's the nitrogen uh, in the form of urea in urine. So uh, people say, oh, if you eat too much, you get expensive pee. And then, you know, that's not far from the truth, but it's really not protein. It's a breakdown product, but once you've broken down amino acids, 
they're no they're, they're no longer usable. So you know, unlike um, carbs and fats, you got to eat what you use, and you've got to use it in the period of time that probably lasts for about two to three hours after you've eaten it. So once we've eaten it, we've taken the adequate amounts of protein, whatever it might be, or whatever protein we've taken in, what does that process look like? How does protein assist in that process of muscle building through muscle protein synthesis or MPS? Right. So again, using the brick wall analogy, and um, if you like, you know, you can imagine that you're taking care of a brick wall and what you really want to do is to have a constant maintenance of that brick wall. So you don't want to let it sit there for 20 years and decay. Uh, so there's a constant input of new bricks into the wall. That's protein synthesis or amino acids going into protein. And there's also a constant breakdown of the wall. So people pull damaged bricks or you know broken bricks out of the wall to keep the wall in really good shape. And it's almost as if there's a constant maintenance and up tuning or tuning up of uh, of, of the wall to keep it in good shape. So you eat protein, uh, it's made up of amino acids. You break the protein that you've eaten down into amino acids, you absorb those, they go into circulation and eventually arrive at your muscle and uh, they're taken up and then your muscle makes use of them for a short period of time. And then after a while it, it, it switches off. So um, that's the sort of two to three hours that we talk about. Uh, the situation uh, is a little different with exercise, which is, you know, I imagine is the next question. Of the yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you beat me to it. And I'm yeah. loving this brick wall analogy. So really the, yeah. the next one just goes into how do we make sure, what are the requirements for protein to actually be anabolic or muscle building in our system? And, and to, like you said, avoid that expensive pea byproduct, right? How do we make the most right. out of the protein that we're actually consuming? Yeah, so it's almost as if exercise, if you want, I, I love the brick wall. I mean, it's worked for me for, you know, teaching undergrad students for 20 plus years. So keep using it. Um, and, and it's simple, right, which works for me because I like simple things. So uh, um, it's almost as if, you know, performing exercise is like the Kickstarter for more guys on the, the, the bricks into the wall side to say, OK, we got to build this wall bigger. We got to build it stronger. Because you know what we did, we, we actually just damaged it a little bit and we're going to repair that damage and we're just going to make it a little bit better than it was so that the next time there's not as much damage. And um, so then the protein that you're taking on board, of course, is uh, you make use of more of it. You're very efficient at using it. And the protein synthesis or bricks into the wall, amino acids into the protein side of the equation begins to dominate. And, you know, it's small at first, you don't notice things, but, you know, gradually over weeks and months and then obviously years, uh, you begin to notice that the brick wall is getting bigger and it's getting stronger and uh, it's in better shape than it was when you first started. So, and it's not, you know, I think people sort of think that it's only that the protein in or the protein synthesis side of things gets affected. Actually, you know, um, performing resistance extra, you know, weightlifting uh, actually stimulates the breakdown side of things as well. And so this sort of the overall turnover of the wall of bricks in bricks out actually goes up and they, people sort of say, well, why, why would you have a system like that? And the, the, you know, the main point is it's sort of, uh, and I'll switch analogies really quickly. And it's like, if you, if you've got a, uh, a car and you know, you want to keep that engine in tip top shape, you're going to strip it down and rebuild it and uh, keep it in the best you know, shape that you can 
and maybe put in a new cylinder or maybe expand the size of the cylinders. And that's sort of the, uh, the analogy, but the way to keep it in good shape is to keep it, you know, tuned up, so to speak. And, and that's really what exercise and then protein is just the, uh, the fuel, but the building blocks for the process. Yeah. I love that analogy as well. So when we talk about resistance training specifically to build it or to break it down and then build it up even stronger, are there specific recommendations as far as the amount of exercise? And you can just speak in really general terms here, right? We don't need to go into the exact specifics, but is it, is it, you know, just lift up one barbell one time, or do we want to be doing seven days a week for three hours in the gym? Does there seem to be a sweet spot in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you guys are in the business of optimizing time. And I mean, you know, so you had Dr. Gabal on the show and I'm sure he would tell you that the number one, at least cited barrier to people doing exercise is not enough time. So I think one thing that we've learned in the last few years and, you know, Dr. Gabal has actually changed the way I look at aerobic exercise. Anyway, I used to think if I didn't have half an hour on a stair climber or bike, I was wasting my time. Uh, I now know that's not true and I can uh, get it done in a much shorter period of time. Or if you forget, um, he'll remind you, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, uh, he's, he's a good friend and a good colleague. And, uh, you know, we'll talk over beers or coffee or across a classroom to each other. But I mean, the main point is I think we're now beginning to realize that we can probably get away with less and do it efficiently and still get the same sort of returns on the investment, if that's the right way to put it. Uh, and still see benefits and gains in strength, gains in muscle mass, definitely improvements in health. That probably starts even before uh, the gains in muscle mass begin. And you know, the other variable, I guess, is how much protein do you have to add in to sort of make that, that process be efficient? And that also yeah, appears I to be a lot less than, than people thought. So. I hope everyone's enjoying this week's episode of the Discover Strength Podcast with Dr. Stuart Phillips. We'd like to take a quick moment to hear from our CEO and founder, Luke Carlson, about some amazing opportunities for our clients and members at Discover Strength. At Discover Strength, we believe you should be able to build the career you want while doing work that changes lives. Imagine owning a distinguished fitness business backed by a market-tested business model where efficient 30-minute workouts are provided to your clients by expert, educated personal trainers. Imagine building a thriving business while doing work that you love with people you love. If this speaks to you, you should speak to us. Schedule a call to complete your pre-qualification screening so you can start falling back in love with your work. If this is something you're interested in, please feel free to visit our website at www.discoverstrengthfranchise.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks everyone for listening. And now back to this week's episode of the Discover Strength Podcast with Dr. Stuart Phillips. I'd love to, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more before we actually talk about the amount of protein. I'd love to talk a little bit about the differences in the types of protein, because this is a big area of contention in sure. the field. And I saw a recent study yeah. that you were part of that you published in February in sports medicine, um, with Victoria heavy, Lorraine. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was comparing vegans uh, to omnivores yeah. with protein supplementation. Uh, just talk to me a little yeah. bit about some of the differences, whether it's whey, uh, we're looking at collagen, maybe things like pea protein. Does it seem to be that different in the effects or, or what does the research kind of point to there? Like maybe just enough protein. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the amount is we're sort of settling on a, you know, a meal sized, you know, quantity of protein between about 20 and 30 grams of protein. So most people sort of need a frame of reference there. So what I like to say is that the small carton of skim milk that most people are familiar with, which is 250 milliliters or whatever number of fluid ounces um, people in the United States drink. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Um, would contain around, you know, eight or nine grams of protein. So we're talking about three of those containers or fairly large chicken breast or something like that, or probably about four or five eggs. So, you know, eggs, great source, but not exactly the, the, the highest source of protein on a per egg basis, but I can eat four or five eggs, no problem. I think Agreed. the fundamental truism is that, um, you know, animal derived proteins, be it milk or eggs or meat, uh, are of a higher, what we call quality versus plant-based proteins. And by quality, we mean our body's ability to, to digest them, break them down and use them, um, and the amino acids that are present in there. And so, you know, I mentioned that the amino acids are like bricks and there's various different types of bricks. There's actually 20 amino acids, so 20 bricks. We can make 11 of those bricks ourselves and nine of them we have to get from dietary sources. They're called essential amino acids or essential bricks, if you like. Um, Quite simply, animal source proteins uh, are easily, more easily digested. Um, They have more of the essential amino acids uh, than do plant-based proteins. So they tend to be a little higher in what we call quality. The way that you can make up for that effect is first of all, to do exercise because if we were going to rank the, the, the anabolic nature of the stimulus, uh, you can't just eat protein and get bigger muscles. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to lift the weight. So it's far greater in terms of its relative effect. And so I like to say to people, um, you know, resistance training is, uh, is building the wall and uh, the, the amino acids or the extra protein that you eat is sort of like a, the glaze on the brick or something like that, even though it's the brick. So we're making it slightly better by uh, more protein. We're, we're definitely not, um, you know, it's not twofold. It's probably about 80% of the effect comes from the exercise. 20% comes from protein. So simply, you know, if you're consuming uh, exclusively vegetable protein, so you're vegan, um, then what you do is you eat more protein. Um, or you eat higher quality plant-based proteins. And the highest would be an isolated soy protein powder. And I know a lot of people aren't keen on soy. So you, you go, there's pea. Uh, and if it's not pea, it's rice. And you can make up by just eating more of those proteins. Or there is a, a surprising amount now of um, isolated plant proteins that are coming onto the market. Things from you know, grains like hemp and, and canola, uh, which is, you know, a popular grain up here in Canada, uh, that you would have thought, you know, years ago, there's no way we're going to get enough protein from, from those sources. But we grow, you know, millions of metric tons of, of, of wheat and corn and pea and grain that get, we don't use. And so the protein now has become an, a usable commodity 
And um, it's a very healthy way to eat. Uh, it's not that you get superior muscle mass gains. You mentioned the paper uh, with Victoria, and that was um, led by a very good friend of mine, a colleague, uh, Hamilton Rochelle, who's a professor at the University of Sao Paulo. And uh, we showed that as long as you're getting about, and now it's twice the RDA, so it is more protein than people would recommend. Um, it doesn't matter whether you get it from plants or animals. Uh, everybody gains around the same amount of muscle and strength. So uh, if your choice is plant-based, no problem. You've just probably got to eat a little bit more. But if you're lifting weights, that's doing most of the job anyway. Yeah, I love that. And that's such an important point because obviously I'm sure you've seen this too. Plenty of people are experimenting with different diets, different ways yeah. to maybe try to enhance their health. And, and veganism is certainly sure. one of them pushed through, through different, yep. um, you know, promotional materials and uh, some great documentaries and things out there. I just think it's important. You yeah. did such a good yeah. job of articulating that, that there, there is really no result or difference in the results when you look at the overall outcomes, as long as you're resistant training and as long as you're getting enough, which might be just a little bit more when it comes to plant-based. So it's a really important points there. I just love to talk a little bit before we kind of finish up this for first point here about protein supplementation combined with some other supplementation. Is there an, uh, an ideal combination if one exists and what does the research point to as the most effective and safe? supplementation. And I, I pulled this question based on the paper you did in March of this year out of medicine and science and sports and exercise, which was the supplementation group versus the placebo group. Can you talk to us a little bit about what types of supplements those people were taking and what kind of outcomes they had? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, without being uh, completely dismissive, one of the things I like to point out to people is that, um, you know, I've been doing this for about 30 years now, uh, and I've seen a lot of supplements come and a lot of supplements, more supplements come and go than supplements that have come on the scene and stuck around. So, I mean, I think the, the sort of core, you know, dirty half dozen would be definitely protein. I mean, it's, it's effect isn't big, but it is there. Uh, definitely caffeine, uh, you know, caffeine always works. And so it reinforces my bias of, of my cup, cups of coffee <laughs> in the morning. Um, creatine, absolutely. Uh, there's probably some sort of, uh, you know, I call them sort of B list, A list supplements, but things like nitrates and beta alanine that are out there as well. Uh, you know, I think one of the really important points to, you know, to put to people is that if you're building the hierarchy of effects in, and you want to know like what goes into making the pyramid, you know, the, the, the highest it can be. Uh, the foundation is, is well, beyond going to the gym. Uh, first of all, pick your parents wisely. So if your parents were sort of, you know, <laughs> tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah. Um, if your parents were fairly lean people uh, and they, you know, they, they didn't have wide, broad shoulders and everything, you probably won't either. Uh, and that's not to say that you shouldn't try. Uh, but you shouldn't expect to look like, you know, name your favorite wide-shouldered uh, <laughs> fitness muscular person, for example. Yeah. Um, I'm beginning to realize that sleep plays a much bigger role, I think, than I ever thought. And I think we all are, are, are in for some tremendous learning on that front. Um, diet is definitely in there. Um, and then we begin to sort of go up. the. And, and I like to say that supplements are really you know, they're at the top of the pyramid. They are, they are icing, they're cherries, they're sprinkles. Uh, 
they, they make things taste good, but, uh, you know, the main <laughs> part of the Sunday is still the ice cream and, uh, or the banana, if it's a banana split and that's going to the gym. So you got to get there. You got to do it regularly. Uh, you've, you've got to have purpose when you go there and, um, beyond that, uh, I think things begin to fall into place, but there's definitely room for supplements. I don't know that I could say anything more than what I've just said, uh, in terms of what works, um, you know, the sources of those things can come from all over the place. Now, uh, the internet has just blown this whole thing open. And it used to be when, you know, when I was younger and got into bodybuilding, it was, um, uh, and I never bodybuild, I should say that, but I, you know, training to, for strength for mostly for sports that I played rugby, hockey, football, and, um, it was Joe Weider, uh, supplements and that was it. And yeah. now, I mean, he, I don't even know if Joe Weider still makes supplements, but <laughs> they tasted awful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you had to plug your nose when you, when you swallowed them. Now things taste like, you know, it's like cake. It's, it's, it's awesome. Or ice cream. And, um, the only thing I tell athletes or people when they're looking for them is to, is to find a brand, you know, hopefully that's made usually in the United States or, or North America. Um, not that to be mistrustful of supplements that come from outside, but I think that there is enough of a regulatory framework here to make people confident that they're getting what they're getting. And if you're really concerned and you're an athlete and maybe if you're an athlete that gets tested, so your NCAA or some uh, divisional sport, then you should look for NSF certified uh, supplements that are free from contamination, free from, uh, they don't get processed in facilities where they might get, uh, you know, anabolic Painted. substances yep. accidentally added. Gotcha. Yeah, that's such a so so many important points there, and I think you may have accidentally stumbled onto another analogy <laughs> involving a big Sunday ice cream, and you know, using the ice cream Sunday instead of the pyramid. Um, <laughs> yeah. You got me hungry here. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah. so big takeaways from here. I just kind of want to drive some of these points home. Right, protein supplementation helps with muscle growth through muscle protein yep. synthesis pathway. But really what it comes down to is you have to resistance train. You have to make sure that supplementation level is high enough, those 20 to 30 grams. And now what we really want to know is what is the appropriate protein supplementation and how does that relate to proper resistance training to maximize benefit? Dr. Phillips, thank you so much for joining us today. Guys, please like and subscribe and we will be back soon. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope you continue to tune in to catch up on the most important information in the field of evidence-based exercise. If you love the Discover Strength podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to me at logan at discoverstrength.com for comments or guest ideas. Please also like and subscribe on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Help us spread the word of smart, efficient training, and we'll continue to help you look and feel your best in a fraction of the time.